In certain political circles, it's become fashionable to sneer at companies that hold true to strong values. But how much richer, more vibrant and cherished are values-based businesses who put themselves at the heart of their communities? Or, as my guest today, Chief Executive of the East of England Cooperative, Doug Field OBE, put it far more succinctly, do the right thing, even when no one's looking. To find out more, I met Doug at the East of England Co-op's HQ at Worsted Park in Suffolk. Dougfield OBE, Chief Executive of the East of England Co-op. Doug, it is a pleasure to welcome you to Eastern Promise. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure to be here. Really enjoy it. Looking forward to it. Just give us, if you would, please, uh, the potted history of Dougfield. Okay, so born in East Yorkshire or Humberside, as it then was, in the shadow of the Humber Bridge. So in a little town called Beverley, lived right literally in the shadow of the Humber Bridge. Um, went to university in North Wales. Got a job in Cheltenham, working for an accountancy firm, moved to Bristol, moved to Bristol for an accountancy firm, a big one, PwC, had some really interesting mm. clients, including Dyson um, and a whole mix and range, did a bit of overseas travel as part of that, then left sort of practice, joined a, a professional business services firm with a sort of central service office in Milton Keynes, met someone from East Anglia, ended up in East Anglia. Do you know, I wonder, doing a straw poll, the number of people who said, met someone from Norfolk, Suffolk, Cambridge, Essex, and ended up here. Because that's, that's what happened to me. That's what happened to uh, my, my sister-in-law's husbands and partners. It's, it's a very common story, I think. But, but it's also excellent. really interesting, isn't it, Mike? Because I would never have been here, because it, it's the unexplored bit. But now I'm here, I don't want to move. Exactly. But it's like that untapped potential of the area is, is frightening. The beaches of North Norfolk, the, co the Suffolk coast, it is... Is priceless and yet it's not not well known uh, well indeed and well hopefully this is this is what we're going to start to change and to shout about what we have here uh, and with with people i know people all across the world uh, listening in wales apparently my little widget now tells me it's it's they've slowly on the back podcast widget expanded it so you can see for example there's quite a, a in the us there's listeners steady uh, most of our listeners are in virginia and california wow um, and it's finally got to the UK, uh, but that's only at nation level. So I can see it's in obviously England's the vast majority and Wales. I was like, well, hey, that's brilliant. Great news. Um, for those who don't know, I'm, I mean, I'm from the Northwest, so I grew up, my parents taking me to the CWS store in Lee. Yeah. Um, for everything. Um, and, you know, my grandparents were buried in co-op funerals. Um, it's just, I'm familiar with it, but for those who don't know, what is a cooperative society? Well, a co-op is a way of doing business. Um, a cooperative society is different to a limited company. It's owned by its members, and we've got over 200,000 members in, in the region who um, support us. And we're a combination of businesses. So there's retail cooperatives, which are the ones you see, the food stores, the funeral branches. But there's a whole stream of cooperatives. John Lewis Waitrose is a cooperative, employee-owned cooperative. All lots of champagne growers in France are cooperatives as well. Oh, we. Oui. So as are some of the fruit producers, there's agricultural cooperatives, two big ones in our region, family and farmers, Anglia farmers. Anglia, I was going to say Anglia farmers. Um, and then, but there's a lot of independent retail cooperatives. So the CGWS you mentioned, 
that is now through a history of mergers court group they've got their headquarters in manchester and they're the largest retail cooperative in our they're the blue the, ones the blue they? ones yeah at the moment yeah and then there's a number of other corps central corp they took over Anglia regional and they across the center of the england as mid counties lincolnshire chelmsford star um, and as the east of england corp so not all corps have all the same businesses so a lot of us have food and funeral businesses not all have funeral businesses now with the regulation. We've also got a travel business, which is a consortium along with mid-counties. Uh, we've got petrol filling stations. Mm. We've got a stonemasonry business. And yeah, so a number of other little sort of businesses who've got a, our own distinct family of businesses. Mm. I mean, what's what's many people will know um, the stores, especially if you've come back to Norwich Station late at night. Yeah. And there it is, the last the last shop standing with hot food and, 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 and drinks and, and chocolate and desperate times. Uh, and you, you can find what you need there. And you've answered my second question already. Now, cooperatives stand out, really, uh, as a values based business. Absolutely. So what are the values that you see the East of England Corp as embodying. And just to come back on your previous point, having travelled, I travel regularly to the Midlands and I don't see an organisation, a co-op, with the same visibility that the green and white of the East of England Co-op has. So congratulations, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, but what are the values that the East of England Co-op embodies? Well, going back to your original question about cooperatives, there's 10 cooperative values and principles which we've disseminated into four more everyday ones. We want to be stronger together. We want to be unstoppable. We want to be a place for people to grow and we want to do the right thing. So there's the four values that we've disseminated our co values and principles into the everyday, trying to get into the everyday life of our colleagues. And the do the right thing is about doing the right thing even if nobody's watching. Yeah. So it's not about the greenwashing that some other businesses do. It's all about literally you know, doing it because it's the right thing to do. I mean, that I've read your annual report and that really does come through loud and clear. And, and I'll hopefully we'll come on, we'll come on to that. Um, actually, you know, how would you say, how would you say uh, in the day to day that the various businesses, because they've got you've got security firm as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, how would you say that the co-op family, the East of England co-op family, embody those values on a day to day basis? Um, well, we're we're working hard, and um, wish we chose a different room for this interview because we've a door on the wall, and um, we've got a. Um, <laughs> But no, we're trying to work hard to get those examples and we're trying to bring it into the day-to-day -day life, promote those areas about working together. So trying to be work cross-functionally, be um, look at the everyday, get people out in stores, looking at what's happening on a real thing. So we've changed, changed some of our central food operations team. We've now got people who've worked in store more than just people who are sit behind a computer screen. We're trying to have fun at work. So we're trying to, we did a um, big thing for the coronation one of our regional leaders even did a Union Jack on his bald head, which was, it was brilliant, and had a bowler hat ready for the weather <laughs> in case it rained. So we're doing everything to be have fun at work. We want to widen our membership appeal, and to do that, we've got to embody all those four values, and yet we want to grow our business. And I think that growth is <clears throat> is the oxygen that you for businesses, and um, we want to be a place for people to grow. And to do that, we've got to have a successful region as well. I think... You, what you're, this comes up a lot when I'm talking to various people in the east of England. It came up when I interviewed Drs Ben Little and Dr Johanna Forster about the UEA University of East Anglia, Civic University, and they described it to me. And I'm going to say to you what I said to them. What you have described there, in, in particular, I'm thinking about doing the right when even though no one's looking, is leadership. 
it's how it's how leadership certainly how leadership should be that you do the right thing regardless of what it means for you and just ask you to invite you to reflect on that because i'm just really struck by what you've said and, and and how that embodies leadership not just your leadership but the le the leadership of the east of england co-op in the in the various spheres that you operate no i think that's important i think leadership is 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 fundamental now i think the leadership model's changed and i think over time from when i started my career many years ago and i suppose i should have said i started my first job was in a convenience store in east in west hull so in a yeah so but i think these days it's my role i see is very much to improve the daily lives of our colleagues and customers by inspiring people to be the best they can be and i think it's summed up by um as a going back to my northern roots rugby league player Kevin Sinfield, and he said, I always felt my job was to help people be better than they believe. I think that's what leadership is these days. I think that's really Absolutely. Important. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, the, the things I want Eastern Promise to embody is that we are much stronger, much wiser, much braver than we think we are. As a region, we've got our own individual capabilities and weaknesses. Norfolk, Suffolk, uh, Essex, Cambridgeshire, but put those all together and find a way. You know, you can't you can't fit a jigsaw together every single in through yeah. every. You've got to find the right fit. But once we've done that, we just can unlock something very special. But you talk about uh, your members and membership organisations take various forms. But what's what's the model that the East of England Co-op operate? So um, we're continually looking at our membership proposition to make sure it's relevant for the modern. For the modern day, at the moment, your the membership proposition is the more you spend, the more you earn. So we pay a dividend based on your purchasing, not on your shareholding. Everyone gets a share. Everyone's got a right to vote in the elections. We just had a load of local elections. And we've got our annual members meeting on the 18th of May. And then we'll have director elections. And now all our directors are democratically elected. We've had over 4,500 votes to date. We're hoping to get over 5,000 when we get to the election. So a reasonable turn out given the size of our organisation in the region. Now, you can stop me if this is an inappropriate question, but it surely cannot be a unique observation that you have, uh, according to the annual report, um, two directors named Fox and Chicken. <laughs> I know, yeah, we do we do laugh at that. One of them was, one of them hasn't always been a fox, but... Uh, no, well, name but, um, Yeah, name changed, but yeah, and unfortunately, Mrs Fox is, is um, leaving at the end of this year. Her term oh. is up, so yeah. So well, we won't have a chicken and a fox anymore. Well, I hope the, the chicken family invited to dinner so she oh, can no, be a they, fox yeah, no, very much. amongst the chickens. Um, and on that, <laughs> on that note, I want to just draw attention to the work that is that highlighted in the annual report about uh, your progress on particularly carbon dioxide reduction, because I know there'll be a lot of people who listen to this podcast who saw Humphrey Hello, who um, really feel that sustainability and progress towards net zero is, is so important. Um, and your progress has really been remarkable. 16, uh, I, you know, I do the standard journalistic thing of rounding up, rounding down accordingly, but 16,000 metric tons uh, down to 11,000 metric tons. I mean, you, COVID obviously played a role in that, but you've kept that going. It hasn't jumped back up now. Everything opens back up. It's kept on. You kept on pressing it down. So, just can you explain to us how how, how you've achieved that? Well, it's a lot of hard work. We've got a head of sustainability, Steve, who does a, does a lot of work in this area, along with lots of it. We're trying to embed it throughout the um, the organisation. So we've managed to. We're talking today. We've had our energy update, and we've we've managed to say seventeen thousand pound in this building by fixing the aircon to a certain temperature without letting people fiddle. 
So <laughs> I have a three mother. So so oh. that's so that's just in one one little thing. We've looked at beer fridges when they need to be on. We do energy is a huge huge cost for us. It's one of the regions we've made a loss in the last financial year, and we've got to be better at managing it. Mm. We want to be we want to um, reduce our energy consumption. It's a right it's the right thing to do, and you can't. You've got to take it in chunks and bite-sized pieces, and it's like this is this is like building Rome, isn't it? One brick at a time. Yeah. But as a region, I mean, from my time at the LEP, the clean growth region, the opportunities this region has to really supercharge some of this stuff, build some of the infrastructure that the the that can be they can go help globally rather than just thinking about national stuff. I think. Well, uh, I can I can't do better than to quote uh, Peter Aldous, the co-chair of the East of England Par uh, All Party Parliamentary Group. Who, when is also the, the the member of parliament for currently what is Waveney, what will become if, if he's returned the, the lowest off seat, and he put it thus: um, "We are the region that can keep the country's lights on all by ourselves," and I think that's a wonderful thing that we've 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 got that potential that you, you you've you've um, identified so brilliantly there. But I mean, all credit to you for 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 all that hard work because it, it's showing. And, and that again, we're coming back to, to, to being leaders in that field. Um, I'm just, you've, you've answered so many questions already. <laughs> I'm just flitting down. Um, so corporately for the East of England Co-op, um, do you know, I had a challenge writing this, so I turned to shorthand the East of England Cooperative. Um, for the society, what has been the greatest, would you challenge, uh, Excluding COVID and along and the tail um, of COVID, in the last twelve months for the co-op. Financially, the, the biggest challenge has been the increase in energy prices, but I think wider than that and wider than twelve months is the pace of change, the pace that we've got to operate as an organisation. It's relentless, and we've got to get the basics right, and you've got to continually to focus on the basics, but then keep keep trying to keep ahead of the curve, trying to keep twenty moves ahead. So I think that's the the biggest challenge for us and lots of businesses i think trying you can't just focus on the data you can't just focus on the day-to-day -day. you've got to stick your head above the parapet you've got to look around and you've got to make some big bets if you want to grow the organization we've got to look ahead and think right that's where we've got to stick our resources and we don't have unlimitless resources no one does anymore so you've got to be really focused really really think think ahead yeah you've done it again you've done it again look you've answered it already the, the the report also talks about the investment portfolio, which I was quite interested in, yeah. and and just ask you to describe it because it's it's really kind of compensated for what was a you know a small fall in turnover. But what does that portfolio look like, and 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 how you manage that in accordance with your? I mean, I'm not saying it's difficult to do this. I'm just interested to know how it's managed in accordance with co-op principles. So we have 122 million of investment property, and that's a mixture of light industrial units, retail units, commercial units of a wide variety, and also um, residential properties. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, numbers of food stores, sometimes they have flats above. Yeah, yeah. And then there's certain houses that we've developed over time. So we've got about 250 residential properties, houses, and flats, and over and, a, and about 260, 250 um, in commercial property units. They generate a rental income of about nine million pounds. There's, there's a great team who manages those that property, and then over time you end up with development sites. So we've, you know, we used to have some department stores. They needed converting. We converted the department store in Colchester to to um, flats, foundation house. Um, <clears throat> then we've got rid of the, the the old department store 
in Ipswich was sold and that's going to be a school and some other things. Oh, wow. So, so there's all those property developments as part of that. So they produce a nice steady contribution that we can, that helps us fund it. And we do that all sort of do the right thing. So we make sure we're a responsible landlord, make sure everything's fixed on time, make sure we've got the right sort of, um, yeah, make sure the fire alarms are all in place and go above and beyond sort of things. That's, I mean, that's, 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 that's coming through in, in what we're talking about. And uh, I'm just, just curious to ask, and, and uh, some might say that I'm bound to ask this, given my, uh, my, my backstory, having been involved in, in drafting the, the self-build uh, and uh, custom house building act. Um, have you, has the East Wing Corp considered um, offering members self-build plots and that you can, that you can prepare or, um, cause I think that would be lovely. I'm not, I'm not saying I've thought very deeply about it, but it sounds like a lovely thing to do. We haven't, I haven't even crossed my mind to be honest, mate, but it's something we can, um, look at. We don't have plethora of lots of the development sites. We are more industrial and commercial, but mm -hmm. yeah, no, that is, um, interesting, um, thought so yeah. i mean i just i think just with the principles you 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 you've 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 put across that i would want yeah, to yeah. work with the east of england co-op on, on on a project like that but uh th that 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 aside food justice tremendously important tremendously important issue uh, at the moment i speak as someone i take my daughter to a trampoline class on tuesday evenings and until very until you know fairly recently, what was in the sports hall immediately before we went in was was a warm bank, and um, that really kind of struck me as as as, as this this can't be right in this day and age. But you you know the, the, the food justice uh, proposition. Could you just talk us through why that's so important um, and what the East of England Co-op are, are doing in, in in what if food justice means to the East of England Co-op? I mean, it means everything. We, we're reliant on our members, our customers, and our colleagues. And we know we're facing a cost of living crisis. We've got to be supportive in as many ways as we can. I mean, we have to remember that we we want to make a positive local impact. And to do that, we want to use our profit to make a positive local impact. So we need to generate profit. We're not a charity, but we know we need to support our communities. So we've got to get the balance right. So we've invested over £400,000 in communities over the last sort of financial year. Um, food justice is an important, you know, we're a food retailer. It's important that we try and support people food. And so, yeah, it's a really important part and it's that and, and funeral poverty as well. So we want people to be able to give their loved ones a suitable, um, a suitable service when they sadly pass away. So it's very important to us because our communities and the region is very important to us. Could you give us a hint? about the, the year ahead for the COP? Because the, 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 the annual report kind of drops a few hints about exciting plans ahead. Well, I think we know we've, we can't sustain the losses we have, so we need, to, we need to invest in our future. We want to grow. We, want to, we need to get back to being a profitable organisation. We've got a plan to do that. That involves opening new stores in new areas. It involves simplifying some of our operations. It includes getting the sort of the basics right so that we can so we can springboard and leapfrog where we are we are seeing some good numbers we are in our food business where we're doing well in terms of volume growth we're, we're getting more than our share of the wallet and that's 
you know, the food, the food retail market in the UK is incredibly competitive, one of the most competitive in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about, I mean, you can name nearly 10 different re food retails in the, in the country, all after 70 million pounds worth, 70 million people's worth of spend. Mm -hmm. So it's incredibly competitive. So you have to work there. We want to invest in our funeral business. There's property developments we want to do. So we are, we're very focused on getting, getting back to profitability and then because that means we can do more for our communities. It really strikes me from what you're saying that the Eastern Union Corp is a very agile, adaptable organisation that, I don't want to say unsentimental, but uh, I suppose practical. And that's a really, that's a really strong and good trait to have, I think, in this day and age where a lot of public policy is being decided on uh, feelings rather than sound evidence i'm not going into any more detail than that but it sounds like you you you've got your your core values are there and beyond doubt so around those we can be practical we can be nimble does that strike a chord have i got, have I, I got no, that yeah we're, we're working hard to be to get i think we want to be even better at that mike i think you're right we can be like that we need to get even better we need to be build capability and that means attracting talent to the region that means dealing with data we're trying to be data-led so we are we are pulling all those strands together i think businesses can be incredibly complicated and they can have lots of competing priorities voices data and it's, it's trying to work our way through those navigating those to get the right answer and it's about it's about um getting the right answer not i know i can't think of the phrase now about um it's not about being right. It's about getting, mm. getting it right. Yeah, BS, right? It's not about being, being right all the time. It's about getting it right. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to work hard to do that. I'm sure we will mis make mistakes because we're playing to win now and not playing not to lose. I think it's it's uh, we spent more time doing good than feeling good. Yeah, um, kind of thing. Because um, ch a change can be can be uncomfortable. I just want to pull a th on a thread. Um, you, you you've uh, you've left dangling. You've teed up for me there. Um, I'm talking about getting in the right people. And it's interesting because this is a conversation that's come up on the podcast, it, it come up in the podcast before, particularly with Nigel Cushion of um, Nelson Spirit. And Nigel's very involved. Uh, if you haven't heard that episode, listener, mm. dear listener, I suggest you go back and listen. It's fantastic. Nigel's brilliant, as is Charlotte Pounder on his team. And talking about home first and encouraging people who've come to the end of their um, sort of a level yeah, yeah. considering where they're going to university to perhaps put some time in at home before they they go off and 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 kind of what we got to and I'll, th th there is a point here bear with me uh the flip side of that is that if you look and some some work exists on this and i've quoted it many times at returnees that is students who've gone off to university made their careers outside our region East of England, by a long, long way, has the highest number who then come back. And in our case, get brought back along yeah, yeah. with them. Um, and I know that there's a temptation to frame that as, oh dear, all our young people are going away. And I think there's, and I'm going to ask you to reflect on this in a second, but, and I think there's some degree, yeah, but you're never going to, we're never going to be able to offer them the, much of the bright lights, big city, apart from, you know, those specific degree courses in the region that, you know, exist in places and those, they've got the virus anyway. Um, but we are benefiting 
from expensive skills and experience being accrued elsewhere that people are coming back now for our quality of life. And it's that fantastic thing. So just ask you to reflect on my very long burble about um, making the best out of, uh, out of the fact that, yes, young people want to go away, but what, what, what a magnet we have to pull them back. Well, I think this, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, Mike. I think one of our values we said we want to be a place for people to grow, so we want to grow our own because that's just as important. But you're absolutely right. If they're coming, going away, getting the skills and experience that can help supercharge and turbocharge our business, you know, everyone's got to do what's right for them. And we can't be shoehorning people in or stay in the region. They've got to do what's right for them and their that stage of life. I think um, high performance is, you know, about doing the best you can with what you've got where you are, and that's that that changes over time doesn't it so mm. i think absolutely people going away gaining experience and then a, the key thing is being able to apply having somewhere to be able to apply it and having that sort of that scope to be able to apply it and to help grow businesses and grow the region then absolutely mm. so what's the east of england co-op approach to, to bringing in top talent and a sort of nurturing it and um taking those skills that do you ever find, I suppose, do you ever, I'm asking, do you ever find yourself looking at people that who on, at first glance, might seem um, a curious fit, but you can see something perhaps uh, in them that makes their skill, that, in their skill set that makes them really valuable? I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I think you're, a... you're absolutely right. And I think it goes back to a comment we talked about earlier about leadership, isn't it? If you've got good leaders, they can be more flexible and agile. So I think, yes, so we've got to, We've got to work hard. It's certainly not an area that we're, I'd say we're proficient in yet. It's an area we're working on. We want to do the right thing. It's about having, it's all about attitude, isn't it? Mm. And the attitude, the right attitude and the right values, you know, and then, then, then making sure that we learn and evolve. So, you know, we've, I think the funeral business is a great example. We've tried numerous, we've not always brought in funeral people to lead that team because that's not always the way that's going to, deliver the best outcome. So the last couple of funeral people have had very contrasting backgrounds. One's been in a food, retail and clothing. One's been in the betting industry, but mm -hmm. they've got people management skills and skills that we will help us accelerate our business. Mm. So yes, being open, being open minded. I think the, um, there's a great Adam Grant book who's read Rethink, which is, is brilliant about just being thinking and how to approach things differently. I mean, we're coming on very. Uh, before we get on to, I want to talk. You, you, you indicated a, and I think you've been. It's been a, a theme through what you've been saying about the play to win mindset, and I just want to explore that in a bit depth. But before we do, there's something that jumped out of me at me in the annual report, and I want to ask, what was or what is the co-op guide to dating? Oh, it's a food waste. Um, so, food um. is dating on food products. So. It went very big, actually. It went global. We were getting requests for, I think, my colleague at the time was invest, in, interviewed from New Zealand and got asked to an Italian interview. So it's about making, explaining how best before and sell and sell before dates work so that people actually know what they're doing rather than just thinking they do. Mm. I think my, my approach has been, has been uh, best before, it's fine. And used by, give it a sniff, it's probably yeah. fine. Um, but that's not necessarily the best one, but I'll have to look that up because I just thought, yeah. oh, how strange. And, and now I know. Um, so there's a quote that I've just put up on LinkedIn for anyone who cares to look. Um, by uh, I found it in a, uh, when I was looking through and I've sort of printed out his, 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 his blog on this here on the play to win mindset. And before we do actually scrap that, before we get into sort of 
Roger Crawford's quote and his various, uh, he's got five, four, sorry, four um, headlines about the play to win mindset. What does the play to win mindset mean to you, Doug Field? It means, um, it means not settling, it means doing your best. It means not avoiding, being prepared to take risks, being prepared to fail, but learning from them. It's about, it's about learning and that sort of learning mindset and looking for areas to improve. And so how's, how are you embodying that in how you're leading the, the East of England Co-op? Um, it's still very early stages, but very much trying to sort of make sure we've got the right processes, we might got, make sure we've got the right rhythm and routine that we're looking at. Certainly that sort of, you know, it's easy to say to sort of not blame, but, you know, someone delivers bad news, it's not their fault. You know, you can't be shooting the messenger, so you've mm. got to live it through your behaviours. And it's, you know, it's, it isn't, it's not easy because... We are naturally, or I particularly, can be a naturally negative person. I have to work really hard to be more optimistic and things like that. So, mm. but I think I'm doing okay at it. And um, I think it's just about wanting to be grown, it's being curious and wanting to do better. But being prepared to take a risk just because it's the right thing to do. Mm. I think everyone, uh, myself included, gets those sort of times when you just think, oh, what am I doing? Um, and you, you wonder to yourself, have I made a terrible mistake? But uh, then again, you know, things, th things do turn around. But this Roger Crawford, uh, who's a, a, a speaker from the, the USA, and his quote is, winners spend little, if any, energy worrying about their weaknesses. Instead, they work on cultivating their strengths. Now, that's something that uh, I had a lady called Rena Dial, Rena Dial, who's a, a coach, um, the... I was working with the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor. Eastern Promise was working with the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor to produce a series of podcasts. And she was one of the guests that the, the corridor team, the LEP, put forward. And hugely inspirational. And she was describing this to me. Again, go back and, and listen to that one on, on the feed. But um, that we get far better results focusing on the strengths of an individual has than worrying about where we're weak. And that if we lift lift the strengths then everything will come up along with it absolutely um just actually to reflect on that no that that's really it's it's a much better answer than i gave because but it's right we want to be the best in convenience retail we know we can win we've got examples in colchester east harlan needham market and that's what we're focused on that's how part of our route back to profitability we know we can do the same in funerals so it's about being the best and it's about building on our strengths so absolutely building on those capabilities and being that sort of focused on those strengths, yeah, absolutely right. I think one of the downsides of the, of the, 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 the democratic process is that it favours that kind of engagement with what's, what's wrong. Because if you're an opposition party, naturally you want to talk about what's wrong. But it doesn't necessarily lead to any kind of solution. Uh, you, you, you can certainly try, but it's, it's, I notice that when it's all, everyone comes together, that's when, particularly in that sphere, and I'm trying to step very carefully here, that, that, that the solutions really come about. Uh, believe in yourself. That's, that's one of Roger Crawford's number one uh, tip. Believe in yourself. And I think you've already articulated this, this brilliantly. But again, how does Doug Field believe in himself? Not actually. Or how do you help your team believe in themselves? Oh, that, that's that? different. That's easier. But I think, I think, um, <laughs> no, I think you've just got to be... There's, there's some really good stuff. Um, the Microsoft CEO, I can't pronounce his name properly, Satya Nadell, 
Nadella. So he has a really good thing about model coach care. Model behaviors you want to see, coach behaviors and care for the people. And, you know, genuinely caring for people, generally knowing about them really does does help you get to know them. If you get to know them, you can coach them better. So, and they can you can you can know where their strengths are or where their weaknesses and where they need to be pushed and thing and where they you know because some a strength can be weakness, can it? If you if you overplay a strength, that can be to the negative mm. detriment as well. So, and you, you can certainly also reframe, as we talked about earlier, reframe weaknesses into strengths. And I think that's that's something that perhaps the East of England needs to get better at. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, not not everywhere, but and. The next one is, and I, I confess I'm not necessarily sure what he means by this, is plan your path. I think and that's, that's kind of what you're trying to do, isn't it, really? Well, I think it is. I think you've got to be, you might want to plan your path, but you've got to be flexible on the route. So we're very much trying to have some serious ambitions about where we want to get to, but recognising that, you know, things, there are obstacles in, in the way, but those obstacles are what, you know, there's a fantastic book called Obstacle is Away by Ryan Holiday. And, you know, life is full of obstacles and it's how you deal with those obstacles that's going to make you whether you get to the end of the path or not mm. yeah i mean it's it, it's really interesting i mean there's there's a certain mindset i think that enjoys I'm, I'm i'm someone who's i'm a very much sweating the small stuff person but when it when the the uh the uh excrement collides with the cooling device um that's tend to be where i switch my brain sort of really turns on and i remember the expenses scandal and that morning sort of sat around and I, I said, I kind of felt, I said, I remember someone doing an interview, is it wrong that I'm really kind of excited and getting my teeth into this? Because it's not great, let's face it, it's not great. It's, it's bad for the country, bad for democracy, bad for it all. Um, but it was like, this is brilliant. Yeah, we can, it's what energises you, isn't it? And mm. about that, that level of energy, harnessing that energy, and people are more, going back to the strengths point, people are more energised by utilising their strengths and having to adapt their weaknesses. Do you do you ever have an issue with yourself or, you, or your, your your team, whether it's you know the 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 management team, the the wider family, with and and this is something I think we've all got to be yes that energy is great, but it isn't. There comes a point when the elastic will has to relax. Yes, it has to, and you can't keep. I mean, that's probably why my career, my career, career uh, first first life uh, came came to my, the first act, should we say, came to a close because the elastic finally snapped. Um, so how do you encourage those under you, your team, your family, um, and I use family in the corporate sense, um, not to, 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 yes, that energy's great, but don't rely on it to carry you through indefinitely. You need to, there needs to be a period of rest, relaxation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to, we need to look after yourself first, isn't it? It's the whole oxygen, oxygen mask on the airplane, isn't it? Got to look after yourself. Got to be self-care. Got to make sure that. You're not burning the candle at both ends and all that sustainable stuff. We've got some great programs here about well-being. We've all been on the, we work with Suffolk Mind on that and a program across yes, our organisation. So, but yes, you've got to be very focused on that. And I know it's important to me as an individual that I, that I look after myself because you want to be, to be the best you can be, you've got to be looking at that. You've got to be operating at the right level. And if you're not looking after yourself, that's harder to do. So how do you do that? How do you? I'm... I can, I've got, just got some routines. I, I have, I get up particularly early, make sure I do some exercise. I eat relative, most of the time, eat relatively healthily. Um, I like getting out with the dog at the weekends. 
I got three young kids, so that keeps me active. Yeah, that'll keep you active. So yeah, but he's just just conscious of it, and I am trying to develop a sort of a better mindfulness routine. But that I find that harder. It's hard, yeah. But I am did did it manage it this morning, so I had a little bit more of it. But yeah, <laughs> I find that a bit harder. But yeah, no. So you just got to, you know. I yeah. think I describe myself as a failed athlete. I always wanted to do sport at school, but I didn't have the physical attributes. And there's loads of stuff about how you're training, but I try and take that sportsman type of approach to performance to myself now in my chosen career. Mm. I mean, uh, it's interesting because it, it's easy to see how some in the in the, the business world see when a member of the team does the extra mile. That doesn't mean then that everything they do from then on is one mile greater it means that they've made a special effort and that you, you can't expect them to keep it up but uh, anyway um and i'll value the process now let me just let me just scroll through and see what uh, what uh, our friend roger crawford here means by value the process says he not being able to find it oh it's there's loads of stuff like this mike go on so, then go for it so there's a really famous football co american football coach called bill walsh and um, the scott has got a book called the score takes care of itself and it's, and it's all about focusing on the process, not the outcomes. And there's loads of research about this at the moment, I think. So if you focus on the process, the outcomes will take care of themselves. And if, but you, to value the process, you've got to value that rhythm routine. And it's things all about that. And for us, we're describing that as brilliant basics. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the things I enjoy about doing the podcast is that it, every week, Wednesday, um, actually, thankfully I'm ahead of the curve this week. It's already uploaded and ready to go. But, um, that process of getting it up on is is kind of so, is is in, kind of an important ritual in itself. Um, find your sweet spot. That's about being the best. I think that goes back to some of the stuff we were talking about before about being the best you can be with what you've got. So our sweet spots: convenient food, retail, funeral, investment property, um, travel. Yeah, so we, we're we're trying to describe that sweet spot, and then. The big challenge for us is getting it embedded across the organisation and being able to have that man on the moon conversation with the person sweeping the floor in the space centre. Mm. And I, I suppose it's easy to see. What, how do you draw the line between being an ambitious business and being an over-ambitious business? And sort of how do you know? Is it because your team tell you or because there's no consensus behind it or what? That... You don't move that business out of your sweet spot. Who I think um, the answer to that makes you a millionaire if you get that right. All right, so okay. <laughs> I think um, I think it's a it's a real challenge. If you're if you're over ambitious, you can end up losing the business, can't you? Mm. If you're not ambitious enough, you end up losing the business. So I think it's about the it is spot. about it's a path. It's, it goes back to the you said about navigating that path and making sure you're doing it, but being open minded and stuff. I think. Um, there's a really interesting podcast with Lord Billamore, the Cobra beer mm. person I heard, and he said, you know, what you need to tell entrepreneurs is don't give up, but you also need to tell them to know when to give up. It's yes, that's really, you know. It, there's no, there is no, and I think the point is there's no right answer, and if you pursue one course of action too doggedly, you might, um, that might be detriment, but if you flip-flop around, that's to a detriment, and that's the skill of leadership, isn't it? Mm. Trying to work out what the path is, what the route is and what the destination is. Yeah. Um, the last one is stay positive, which, so 
you've sort of alluded to, I think we've talked about this already, but you've alluded to the fact that you, you, you've got to fight against the tendency to go negative in your own mind. Is there a particular way you like to stay positive? I am. Um, I read a book about self-talk. So that, and just read a lot about reframing, isn't it? Looking at it and mm. trying to, if you want to improve, you know, you need the feedback, you need to look for ways to do things. So it, I think it's about finding a way and being positive and the people around you make a difference, isn't it? You are, you're, you're influenced by the people you have around you. So that's another mm. factor as well, but it's not a, it's not a straightforward answer to that, is it? No. So what, just to sort of start rounding off, what is it about the East of England? Because you've, 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 you've been in a position as your former chair of the LEP, the New Anglia LEP, and obviously you're a leader of a, a, a major retail operation in the East of England. What is it that you think is the, the, this is going to sound a stupid question because by definition, I was going to ask, what's the X factor? Now by definition, you don't know what the X factor is, but what would you say is the X factor of the East of England? That is a, that is a tough question. I think, I think there's a, um, there's such a, um, such a quandary there because there's such a combination, isn't there? You've got, You've got some fantastic geography and landscape that's not replicated. You've got some amazingly big skies. So you've got a you've got an environment, and then that that attracts a certain type of people. And those people are across a wide spectrum. So you've got a diverse group, and I think that in itself is a um, is the X factor. And then you've got you know, but the I suppose the sun rises in this in this part of the world, mm. and that's what we've got to get on the back on. We've got to take advantage of that. But I don't think I've got a answer, but there's so many, I think it goes back to the point you mentioned about the jigsaw. There's, we've got so many pieces of jigsaw. And if we mm. could, if we could put them all together and two plus two equals 10, well, you know, that's the magic, that's the magic formula. Do you think that in certain parts of the region, and I'm thinking particularly the rural parts where there's some really exciting potential around agriculture, agritech, um, where on food production, we can be a, I keep coming back to this theme of a virtuous, virtuous, a series of virtuous circles um, between academia, uh, agriculture, farming, food, life science. Um, and do you think there is an attachment to uh, an idea of particularly, I'm going to say particularly Norfolk, and Suffolk, uh, less, I mean, in Cambridge, the, their attachment is, is perhaps different, but nonetheless difficult to a, a model, a way of living that really is, is fading away and that we perhaps need to reevaluate re how we think about our places. And I'm getting quite deep here, but, um, and our, the, the, the counties, the towns and the bits in between, uh, to re to reevaluate what what we're capable of. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think we've got to. It comes back to I think the pace of change around the world is is continuing. It is relentless, and I think you're right. I think being adaptable, and that's why we're focusing a lot more on building that capability because with that capability becomes more adaptability, and therefore, and you know what's um, what's luck when determination means opportunity. So you know if you get opportunities will arise but 
You've got to be in a position to grasp them. You've got to be in a position first to see them, then grasp them. And you're only going to do that if you're putting your head above the parapet and looking for the opportunities. And I think that's where we need to be, we focus, we need to be open-minded. We need to be, you know, some of the best things are where you apply knowledge from one industry to another. And that's where you can get a competitive advantage. And I think, but it's hard. And that's why it's not easy. And that's why, and when you, when you factor in places and the number of stakeholders that places have, it becomes even more challenging. Mm. I think you're right. It is a very, when look, you're looking at place, it is a very, very tough needle to thread because it's their place. Yeah. And you can't turn up acting like you know what's best for their place. But by the same token, you have to factor in but these places, there, there is no place we can put the pin and say this is yeah. this is the best this place this place will ever be. We have no right to do that, um, and it can be just as much loved for someone who who isn't here yet um, as as it is for you. And we, we all have our places. I think um, we all we all live in our places. Kind of we we hold them and maintain them on trust, as it were. We yeah, hold them in trust for future generations. But on that note. I do like to end, if I can, with a slightly left field question. Now, for our MPs, it's usually, which other MP would you like to be most trapped in an elevator with? Because let's face it, I've been in the elevators on the primary street, and that's a highly likely circumstance. Um, but I'm not going to ask you that. I did ask the, the former head of uh, Forestry England in the region when the last time was he, he climbed a tree and he could answer. And then I asked, followed it up with, and what kind of tree was it? And he answered that as well. Doug Field OBE, when was the last time you shopped in an East of England co-op? The weekend. And so, what did you buy? I think I bought crisps for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, no, yeah, so there's one down the road for me, so yeah. So. Is, is it always a joy going in a, one of your stores? Um, or is it a bit nerve-wracking? No, it's, it, it is a joy. It's great to see the stores. It's great to get out. Yeah, no, it, it, is, it is a... I do enjoy it, so... Well, Dougfield OBE, thank you for, for coming on Eastern Promise. What I love about the East of England co-op and what it does is the way it embodies those principles. Um, those are principles that Eastern Promise supports, can get behind, and look forward to seeing the East of England co-op grow. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you really much for the opportunity. really enjoyed it. My huge thanks to Doug for his time and his support. Eastern Promise is hugely proud of the East of England Co-op and indeed all businesses in our region that seek to both embody strong values and conduct themselves accordingly. Our support of you will never be less than full-throated and the mic is always open to you. No pun intended. You can contact Eastern Promise and find out more about what we do by visiting our website, easternpromise.org.uk. Eastern Promise is a Priors Croft production on behalf of the Eastern Promise East Anglia Community Interest Company.